your weekly fix of Asian music. This is Asian Pop Nation. You just heard BDC's Moonlight. Before that was Rung Hyung's Clegg Potts and Tai Chi Mukai's So Good. And the last song you heard was Paint the Town by Luna because that's what we're going to be doing tonight here at Asian Pop Nation. I'm the EP or executive producer, Senya. Tonight, we're going to be chatting about Fruits Basket, the 2019 remake, which has just wrapped up. So a lot of tears have been shed among our team. We're also going to be talking about a film that some of our members got to watch called Jose the Tiger and the fish we're going to chat about the newest trailer about shang chi and the ten rings as well as demon slayer attractions hiding cash in public locations in singapore and also kaguya-sama and kfc's little romance on twitter so we've got a lot to talk about tonight so i hope you join myself aaron celeste and jp the asian pop nation team as we go through all of our amazing news from the week but we're just going to hit it off with another song by alexa featuring bm called extra you're listening to asian pop nation on sin you're listening to Asian Pop Nation. The first song we played in that row was Extra by Alexa featuring BM. After that was JJ Lin's Light of Sanctuary. And the last song we played was a song by Warps Up called Pleasure, the opening song to Fruits Basket 2019 remake, season three. So guess what we're going to be talking about now? For anyone who has been following this anime since 2019, we have now reached the end of this ride, and the ride is called Fruits Basket, so props to everyone who's been following along on our end. You've been around. Have you been following it since it first started airing, the remake? Pretty much, yes, since day one. Wow, dedicated. Well, I was just curious, but the only reason why, because like they got the original dub cast back, including Laura Bailey, so that was the reason why I joined back in. But you've seen the original as well? I've seen a little bit of the originals, and I honestly don't mind it so far i know it diverged from the source material and i know there was a lot of complications from that one but eh, it's not bad so far but you haven't read the manga i'm gonna say no jp you've been reading the manga How yeah are you finding i have it? it's so soft it's <laughs> such a soft story like i'm so used to reading characters where everyone is like murderous and insane but this is a good change of pace you know it feels good everyone's so nice i love it everyone? so much <laughs> i mean like <laughs> Except one. There's yeah. one character that's like terrible, but everyone else is like pretty nice. It's that's good. Cool. But like before reading it, what have you sort of heard about the series? Even before we sort of mentioned it in class shows. At the most, all I knew was that there was a girl, Zodiac animals, ah ha ha, she hugs them and they turn into animals. That's the extent of my knowledge before jumping onto the ride. And Celeste, you have it read it or watched it or plan to read or watch it <laughs> i don't plan on reading and watching it what is it about I, it that just doesn't sound appealing i don't know i tried to read it a long time ago and it just never brought me in i guess because yeah. to me it was kind of similar to kamisame kiss or yeah. kamisame hajime mashita and i like that more than fruit baskets but i know fruit baskets is really popular but i just yeah. can't get into it Mine is a vice versa. I can't get into coming summer kiss. And I went seeing both seasons in the OVA. I just can't get into that one. No, I deal with fruit basket. That's a lot of dedication for a series you haven't gotten into and you've watched both seasons. <laughs> it was on ABC. It was on ABC three back when I was in high school. Oh wow. <laughs> But for those who don't really know much about Bruce Basket, it's this story of a recently orphaned girl named Toru Honda mm. who meets three members of this mysterious Soma family 
and she soon discovers that 12 of the family members are possessed by animals of the Chinese zodiac. So they're cursed to kind of transform into their animal forms whenever they're sort of weak or stressed or embraced by anyone of the opposite gender who doesn't have a zodiac spirit inside them. And as ridiculous as the premise sounds, it's really a story about overcoming hardships and pains. And as the series progresses, the main character Toru sort of learns about the Soma family's struggles and helps to heal their emotional wounds as well as healing her own. Like it has a quite comedic or soft start, but then as you get later and later into the series, some of the more dramatic or darker turns start kicking in. But I guess, Aaron, what did you sort of think about the adaptation overall? Did you like it? Did you think there were some things that could have been improved? Without seeing the source material back then, I think this is probably like the best adaptation we got. I'm glad we got like split season, but I think it's well-written and especially it's emotional, like truly emotional, to be honest. If it looks like a theatrical release, I don't think it will work. That's it, but... This is probably like really well done, to be honest. From what I heard from the Japanese team in LA, like the original author wanted a new staff, new cast and all that stuff for this show as well. And to be honest, she was actually, I think she was the supervising, also the supervisor for this series as well. Yeah, she definitely got her her way this time because I don't think she was happy with the first adaptation. Yeah, mostly from director's conflict and especially how the animation looked out for the character designs a lot. But even watching it with the dub, yeah, pretty much, yeah. I'm glad they got, like, most of everyone back for this original dub, from the dub for this one, to be honest. I'm actually surprised they got Laura Bailey back as Toru Honda, to be honest. I've been watching it with Sab, but I did find that Laura Bailey doesn't really sound like she's changed at all with voicing Toru. But what about the other characters or the other voice actors? Did you find that time sort of helped their performances or didn't sound like they changed as much? For me, like, back when the original dub came out, I thought, like, it was just, like, pan dead i think that's the right way of saying it if not just yeah. like stiff i think this is the right way of saying it but with this one was underneath different adr director i think with the original cast back as well with a few exceptions i think this is like all their voicing like they mentioned all the acting is have approved over the years as well although i do have critics that one thing about with eric vell's yuki soma like from the first season of this season i thought he was okay a bit but then like with the second third season, i thought he was a massive improvement in my opinion yeah no, absolutely. I think I've seen a few clips from the dub. I haven't watched the entire thing, but I guess a little thing that perhaps I wasn't used to was the voice actor for Momiji having a German accent. I know that he's meant to be German, but it just felt kind of weird. What do you, do you think, Aaron? I thought it was kind of funny, to be honest. <laughs> I also was going to was a good touch to it anyway. But I guess going to some of the aspects of the story overall, did any parts of the stories hit stronger to you than others? Favorite story arc or character? And even JP, if you've sort of come across a moment in the manga that you thought, wow, this is this is really good, or a character you've kind of grown attached to. The part that really hurt me most was Hattori's story, yeah. the doctor. You don't do that to a guy, man. Like, you know, he, you know, he has a whole relationship going on. Then he has to wipe her memory and then... You know, she goes marry off some other dude and he has to watch it. Like, come on. Spoiler, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm kind of wondering, because it's been a while since I read that bit, but she started kind of falling apart because she blamed herself. Is that sort of what happened? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, she was falling apart of her own accord. What a tragedy, right? I thought, yeah, (laughs) I thought this was supposed to be cute. 
But Anne, do you have a favorite character or a favorite arc? It's like Tora because of Laura Bailey, but I have to give it to, oh, well, there's a lot to be honest. Probably the side characters, including Yuki as well, Kakagure, Manaba, and Maki. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the student council? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. While they have their own side stories, I think those three especially a bit more grounded, to be honest, especially how, minus Yuki, who's involved with the Zodiac members and all that stuff, they also have their own personal struggles as well. Mm. And I thought it was really good, to be honest. For some reason, Maki also kind of resembles to me, to be honest. My favorite is Mayu. She's the one that's like best friends with Kana, Hattori's ex girlfriend. <laughs> I don't think you've got up to that part, JP. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious now. I got to read up more. I just kind of liked her. She, I don't know whether she is in the know of the entire family secret, but I feel like she's perhaps a bit more attuned to the eccentricities of the family more so than other characters to be fair if i had to pick anyone it would probably be toru but since we're probably trying to avoid (laughs) the obvious answers toru's too perfect she's too (laughs) nice but how about you aaron as you were sort of watching it were you more team yuki team kyo let's not spoil it too much for jp who hasn't figured out the end of his love triangle yet no don't tell me (laughs) originally i was gonna go for yuki but then i saw like kyo is emotional other side so i'm gonna say well kyo for the win yeah JP, what about you? Dude, I don't know, man. They're both good. They're both cute. They got their own strengths and we okay, let's see. Setting. We have Toru, really nice girl, you know, really kind-hearted, you know, takes care of everyone. That's her. Now our two choices. We have Kyo. He's a orange hair, right? Yes. You know, aggressive, martial artist, brash sort of guy, but in He's actually like a really big softy inside. That's the kind of character he is. So there's a lot of energy and passion to him. But then you also have Yuki. He's like the cool, reserved, like white-haired guy. A bit closed in, but then as you learn more about him, he's also quite the gentle gentleman. I'd say if she hooked up with Kyo, that'll be a lot more entertaining. It'll be a more entertaining couple. But if you want like a stable relationship and a stable family, you're better <laughs> off going with Yuki. You know, that's it's up to her. Uh, Celeste, judging from those descriptions, who would you choose to marry off to? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was actually looking up the pictures before and I'm basing this off looks. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'd probably go with Kyo <laughs> because he's got like a sharper looking face. Oh, yeah. Um, and Yuki just looks too like a child. Like, I'm not into that. <laughs> Yeah. Judging from the pictures, Celeste, who do you think intrigues you the most out of all the characters? What about Shigure Soma? What about him? Oh, Shigure is cool. Yeah. But he's weird. A bit too, like, dark for me. (laughs) Wait, is he dark? He's a bit, yeah, he's got, like, this fun persona. Don't tell me he's, like, some serial killer. No, he's not a serial killer. But he has, like, serial killer vibes to him. Oh, <laughs> I suspected that. Yeah, he's, like, got a, a bit of a double side to him. He's not as nice as he. Now, I know you mentioned something about Akito being a bad person. Uh, yeah. I dig that. Look at his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know the backstory, but he, like, looks like Sasuke, and I'm like, I <laughs> Okay, listen, Celeste, as soon as anyone looks like Sasuke, that should be like red flags everywhere. <laughs> you need <laughs> yeah, you stay away from Akito. But I do kind of wish we had a bit more development, both in the manga and the anime of Ritsu, yes. And also just more time after Toru ends up with the guy that 
she's meant to end up with. I would love to see more after the initial finally got together phase, but that's my main complaint with most romance stories. But I guess it's all about the journey. We all know how the destination's going to go. We also are getting a spin-off about Toru's parents, Kyoko and Katsuya, which is great because that was one complaint I was going to have about the anime series until we've got that announcement. I'm hyped for that. I really like Toru's mom as a character. She's interesting. I like how her past, she had the whole um, delinquent thing going on. Yeah, I don't see enough of that. between mom and daughter. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and then a stage play, which will be interesting. I'd be wanting to know what kind of short story they're going to go with around Fruits Basket. Definitely a bit too long a series in story to crush into a short, like, two-hour, three-hour-long play. Hey, if they're doing a stage play, how do they turn the characters into animals? That's a good question. <laughs> Maybe they'll bring the actual animals on stage. Now they'll probably bring the actors into costumes. <laughs> I thought they'd wear a mask or something. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Are they, like, yeah. put- in a costume or some puppet you know. <laughs> like a hand puppet <laughs> from like under a blanket <laughs> That's cool, but I, like in the anime they kind of appear after a puff of smoke so maybe they'll do yeah, the smoke yeah. and then a dog or a cat suddenly <laughs> there <laughs> the seahorse though yeah poor, poor seahorse they'll probably get really like it's too small so they'll probably get a fake one Oh yeah, we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll hear more news in the future. Mm. But if you've been watching Fruits Basket, and I said, like we are, that is now over, at least until next year, in that spin off anime project about Tori's parents. But we'd love to, to hear what you think on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Asian Pop Nation. Let us know there, and we can all kind of cry over this experience together. This is Asian Pop Nation. I'm Senyo. We just finished a row of three songs. The first song was Monkey Magic's Eden from the anime series Fruits Basket, the 2019 remake. After that was Julia Wu featuring Iso and their song Better Off Without You. And the last song was by Neve called Escape because what is a better escape than going to the cinemas? And that's what some of our members here at Asian Pop Nation got to do over the, the weekend. And that was to see Jose the Tiger and the Fish, a new film by Studio Bones. So take it away, everyone. So recent film called Jose the Tiger and the Fish has come out. It's an anime and Xenia, JP, Aaron and Ben had the chance to go see it. Um, Now, as someone who didn't make it and has no idea what this film is about, can you tell me (laughs) what the storyline is? All right. Where do we start with this? So first off, Aaron, how do we actually pronounce your name? Is it Jose or Jose? According to the in the movie from Jose, it's Jose, really. Oh, Jose, Jose. sorry. Oh, you're wrong, Celeste. (laughs) Who is you? Sorry, forgot <laughs> what language it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, but anyway, uh, Jose, the tiger and the fish, it's about this university student named Tsuneo, and he really loves uh, sea diving and going down, looking at fish and stuff. And it's also about Jose, who's this young girl on a wheelchair, she can't walk, who uh, lives with her grandmother and rarely goes outside of the house. And it's basically about Tsuneo, the guy, bringing her out into the world and just showing her you know, all the cool things out there it's one of those stories it's real cute is it like wholesome maybe a tearjerker or just cute <laughs> i say it leads more towards wholesome and cute not so much a tearjerker though you know i okay. was scared it would be a tearjerker because every time there's an anime movie with like a sick girl or something she ends up dying Anchor yeah well. yeah and everyone's sad but this no this is good this is comfy it warms your heart what would you say is the best 
bit about the film? I don't know, Aaron, you got any ideas? I could probably say the animation, really. We can start with that. Mm, yes, artistically, it is really good. This is Studio Bones, by the way. They did a bunch of good works like Noragami. The Academia series, the Full Minute Alchemist series. Wow, really? Yeah. Um, okay, I, I have to watch this now. <laughs> yeah, these are, yeah, this is a big name. So artistically, really good. Animation in terms of movement, ooh, so nice. I was going to say, especially with the body language, especially the subtle details of each character as well. Yes, definitely. It's a realistic life drama. So all of the body movements, real good. You know, shifting <laughs> of the eyes. <laughs> You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, okay. Feels good. Now, we've talked about the best thing. What's the worst thing? Oh, what would you say is the not greatest thing in the film? Because you talked about animation being great, and I don't hear the mm-hmm. story being on the plus side. I mean, the story, it's not phenomenal. I mean, Xenia has a lot to argue uh, about, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, to be fair, I've kind of, like, recovered since we watched it, so it's the anger is not as prominent but I watch a lot of romance and I suppose I just kind of thought it would be a bit more romantic and the romance is there but a lot of it was through montages so you never actually got to see them interact that much except like typical sundere fashion where she's like hits him or hurled <laughs> insult at him and to me I guess I, I don't mind Cinderace as romantic characters but it just needs to be a bit more subtle than kind of abusive <laughs> so when you don't want to share the feelings and Cinderace kind of like accidentally hit you or purposely hit yeah. you yeah I just kind of thought oh come on really um, and then of course there was the second girl the, the one, other girl that one character what's her my, name again? my my yes she just chose the worst times to do things <laughs> <laughs> she just decided to confess at this point where like certain characters were at the lowest of the lows and they decided to kind of add that emotional baggage onto them yeah it just kind of was very persistent when at that point it's clear that the character she's interested in is not interested in her so just those kind of things that uh, i guess met- Imagine like asking someone out on a date on their grandma's funeral. Oh, like that yeah, sort of thing. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Who does that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's that sort of sentiment with that it's character. Really bad. Yeah. So none of us liked her. <laughs> okay. No, but, but you see, Jeffy, you said she's necessary, right? Yes, exactly. She's a necessary evil. So here's where we go into like the realm of morality and metaphysics and stuff, <laughs> right? In okay. order. In order for best girl to be the absolute best, there needs to be an equal worst girl in the mix. You see what I mean? So it's with my being totally trash that the other girl (laughs) shines like a glowing flower or like a firefly. Those are nice too. I don't know. She just glows. But I guess it just makes them seem like the best option because the other girl is the worst option. Like, I guess, better the devil you know or something like that. Mm. But Aaron, did you have any flaws with Mai or anyone else in the story? I do have some nitpicks with Mai, basically a lot of nitpicks with Mai anyway. But other than that, I also have another complaint about one of the other side characters. Well, well, a couple of side characters, really. I mean, I don't mind the librarian lady, of course, which I thought she was a good addition to the story. But I also have a little bit of problem of uh, the other side character for the guy. Oh, what's wrong with him? I thought he was cool. Yeah, I thought he was good, but it was like, what's the development? Really? I mean, he's just there for comic <laughs> relief and especially there for his buddy and all that stuff. I think he's going to end up with Mai. Yeah, let's probably. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. Well, Either as a rebound or as like the genuine <laughs> thing, but you know. There was there was that hit at the end. He's just a replacement. That's it. Yeah. 
But other than that, that's basically the only complaints I have with the characters, but also Granny, who is completely overprotective. Other than that, I thought the soundtrack with the music composed by Evan Cole, I thought it was okay at best. Yeah, Evan Cole, who did the composer for my personal favorite movie he did was Violet Evergarden. Oh, you movie. did Violet Evergarden? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He basically That's did. That's why it's so one. good. I love yeah, the music. Yeah, basically all that. I thought the music was okay at best. That's pretty much it for Jersey and the Tiger and Fish movie. That's it. Yeah. All right. So if you would rate it out of 10, what would you give it? <laughs> this will determine if I watch it. <laughs> Probably a 7.5. Okay, oh, not, not bad. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a good movie. It wasn't like some spectacular, groundbreaking, you know, whoa, Parasite, whoa, Nobel <laughs> Prize, you know. But it's a, it's a good, comfy movie. It'll make you feel good at the end. I was going to mention what Ben said since he couldn't make it today, but he said that his verdict was that, again, like us, the animation was pretty good. But in terms of like emotionally gripping romance anime, it didn't really have the same impact as like Your Name, and I would agree. <laughs> I think Your Name was one of those films that maybe at first I didn't like as much, but then after a second watch, it was a bit more emotionally impactful. So maybe the same with Jose, but yeah, 7 out of 10 for me as well. That's from Ben. Mainly for my, and yeah, I guess just like issues of the story that I suppose different strokes for different folks. Well, I would say with the stroke thing, I think it was the perfect stroke for me. It was a solid, <laughs> it's a pretty solid, simple movie. That's what I would say. Like, there aren't too many turns. There aren't any unexpected, whoa, look at this plot twist, right? Especially with the two main characters, you have Tsuneo and Wheelchair Girl, (laughs) just saying. (laughs) Yeah. But basically, it's very much about both of their progressions as a character. Like, as Aaron said, a lot of the side characters are static. And I think some people might find issue with that. But I thought it served the purpose of the story very well. Yeah. So, Celeste, you're craving, like, a sweet romance that's pretty the good one but aaron did yeah. you have things that i give it a two. <gasps> two? Oh, oh my Out god of 10? oh my goodness Dang. just kidding i give it, I give it a... <laughs> <laughs> what my goodness I thought you were serious <laughs> like i was to be honest but no i'm giving a i have to give him maybe an eight really for this one okay that's a pretty yeah. good it's review it's, yeah well yeah. it's predictable with its plots especially with especially with the side characters although they're also important to the story like the like the subtle meanings between each scene as well especially um what's that word is like art meaning or something whatever they call it uh what's that word i'm trying to think of the word like you have like there's a picture and it has like a meaning towards it say like the tiger is the wall and the fish is basically means people of freedom that's it Uh, symbolism that's it yes yeah (laughs) symbolism i did literature in high school that's why i know (laughs) all right so it sounds like a nice little slice of life that mm-hmm. is heartwarming. So if anyone is interested in seeing Jose and the tiger and the fish, I think it's still in cinemas. Is that? Yes. Yeah. So only in one cinema in Melbourne. Yeah. So <laughs> search it up on Google. You'll find it if you want to check it out. The team has also like taken a photo. We'll be sharing that on Instagram. So With my <laughs> beautiful, cute face right yeah. at the front. They're all cute. We'll share that on Instagram. Yeah. Message us your thoughts on instagram we'd love to hear it and you can also message us on facebook and twitter i just found the meaning it's a metaphor <laughs> metaphor there we go <laughs> 
You're listening to Asian Pop Nation tonight. The first song we played was Eleanor Waltz by Eve from the film Josie the Tiger and the Fish. After that was Stray Kids, Oh. And the last song we played was the Nine Liu Yushin's practice song. Because if there's one thing that definitely needs practice, it's is martial arts. And what better way to showcase martial arts than in a epic Marvel film? So we're going to be talking about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings right now. <sighs> So in recent news, they're remaking uh, Mulan for a new movie called Shang-Chi. Really interesting one. Please correct me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not a Mulan remake, but it's like what Mulan should have been, like with full action and not cringy. Yeah, rap music. Oh my god. Like a modern times. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, yeah. So Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, the Mulan that should have been. It's a new Marvel movie that we had actually talked about in past shows. And it is about a man who must confront the past that he thought he left behind when he is drawn into the web of this mysterious Ten Rings organization that I want him for some reason. Lots of action, lots of cool things. So a new trailer got released lately. Really cool. You should check it out. And let me see here. For some reason, Xenia has written down that there are a lot of connections with Kung Fu Hustle. A lot of memes have been going yes. on lately between Shang-Chi and Kung Fu Hustle. Xenia, explain this to me. I have I not have seen not this seen before. I have not seen Kung Fu Hustle though, but I know Celeste, JP, you two have? Yeah. Yes, we have. So, it's a classic. <laughs> from what I understand, there's this man in Kung Fu Hustle who has rings on his arms. Yes. yes. And so people have been saying that Shang-Chi is just copying Kung Fu Hustle, which I don't know. <laughs> it's so funny. But yeah, it's just like, making jokes about how Shang-Chi is just trying to do what Kung Fu Hustle has already done. Is there any similarities at all between the story of Shang-Chi and the story of Kung Fu Hustle, JP Celeste? (laughs) To be Um, honest, not really. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, because I'm not exactly sure about the origins of Shang-Chi, because, yeah, I don't follow Marvel. But, like, Kung Fu Hustle, it starts off with, like, this poor kid who receives this little manual on how to do kung fu and somehow becomes like a master at it in the most ridiculous way possible it's just so funny i imagine both movies will have the same structure of like you know a hero rises up besides that i can't really think of anything else (laughs) what about the dude with the rings on his arms how is this guy relevant to the story of kung fu hustle it's been a while since I've watched this, but I believe he was one of the like main characters. He has this really cool thing. He puts a bunch of like iron rings around his wrist. And when he punches people, it's like the force of his punch plus the momentum of the rings like blows them away. It's like super cool. And I'm totally not geeking out over this <laughs> Kung Fu movie. I think it's very ironic that people are saying that Shang-Chi is copying Kung Fu Hustle. Because Kung Fu Hustle in itself is a copy of every Kung Fu movie that has come before it. Yeah. Like, the whole thing this is satire. Thing is actually already existing. Yeah, there are a lot of elements in Kung Fu Hustle that are already existing. I think the Iron Rings thing might be... Correct me if I'm wrong, if anyone here knows more than me. But I think the Iron Rings is an actual like Chinese martial arts thing. I have no idea. <laughs> well, let's say I, like, I really yeah. watched Kung Fu Hustle and I'm like, that's cool. 
do people actually do that (laughs) (laughs) i mean if they do that would be sick there are a lot of other elements in kung fu hustle like for example there's this big gang called the axe gang and they all wear black suits do they wear hats as well celeste i don't remember but they always like have classy music when they appear and then the little axes and they (laughs) just like show up yeah it's so cool so like every single time they show up like first off there are always 50 of them on screen at once (laughs) funny and second off they all have axes so it's they're all identical and sometimes when they move they move in like synchronization thing is though this is not a kung fu hustle thing this is actually from another movie far before it you know um Jackie Chan's Drunken Master. Wait, that's from Drunken Master? Yeah. Wait, how? I think it was in the either second or third movie, but there was one of the movies has the Axe Gang. Like, they're one of the main villains. So it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> There we go. What else? The development of the main character. He like he starts off as like this really weak dude, but then right at the very end, he turns into God or something. I think a lot of people draw connections between his new costume. Like he gets this white kung fu looking garb, and they compare it a lot to Ip Man, especially with the way he fights, because he does like small movements. Like they try to punch him, but then he just like moves three centimeters and they completely miss and die. That sort of thing. That's what Kung Fu Hustle is. It's so I don't would need to watch all the um, kung fu movies that are out there, martial art movies, because yeah, I haven't seen them all. They're really cool. You definitely yeah, you feel around, but it's like, oh, I've never really watched yeah. kung fu movies. But yeah. talking about the trailer of Shang-Chi, was anything cool that anyone noticed? We've got a bit more of a clearer idea what the story might be about, but what stuck out to people's minds. I like the dragon. <laughs> there is a big dragon there's this little uh snippet of a scene in the trailer you have the main i think the main character he's underwater and then like you can just barely see it there's this giant water dragon like slithering around then it looks at him that's yeah there yeah. was something at the end of the trailer was it that they're like fighting in front of some chinese temple or building and there's like cool. a lion or <laughs> it starts fighting people some narnia stuff what's going on yeah i do like the music though it's got a strong vibe going on. I guess it's like the similar aspect to how Black Panther. So artists, especially like hip hop and R&B artists from African and African American descent. And is this just going to be a thing now? Just like putting rap over everything? I yeah, think like it's something to be badass. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Driving so fast cars, punching people. You guys said earlier that Shang Chi was the Mulan that we should have, right? Yeah. So you want Mulan? With rap. That would be awesome. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Imagine a rap version of I Make a Man Out of You. Oh my <laughs> god. I'd be so happy. Oh my god. <laughs> but it works too, because I mean, in terms of the subject matter, I make a man out of you. Yeah, it's very like sort of superhero action y <laughs> kind of feeling. But I, I think you made an interesting point, JP, when you talked about how Kung Fu Hustle is like a hodgepodge of everything that came before. I think that's what we need more of. It's not explicitly adaptations or recreations of stories. You just need something that to make it a little bit different or just to take a little bit of everything and make it into something new. Like kind of pay homage to all the good yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's not too much like... of an homage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's almost like that's what good stories do, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's original. Yeah, basically. I mean, if you think about it, a lot of great literature and, you know, great stories in general, they're very heavily based on whatever historical context they're in or whatever they're stealing from. Yeah. Mm. But Aaron, did you have any thoughts on the Chunky movie? Are you going to watch it? I'm 
gonna watch it because a it's marvel of course so marvel's marvel i know this is gonna be a massive near pick from me but i really don't like how the the Mukwell rings look, look like to be honest oh, oh they're they're like glowing looking right yeah i mean that's how they're supposed to be in i for some reason i just don't like how they go onto people's arm i don't like going to go into the guy's arm to be honest you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of um cowboys versus aliens i haven't seen that movie yet you, do you guys remember it's a long time ago <laughs> that was the daniel craig and harrison ford movie right i think so usually if it was a mockable ring so it'll probably be just on his fingers which i'm my opinion it should be what it was like in back when the i man was uh, when i man had his tv show back in i think it was a late 2000s when he had his cgi one called i man i man adventures that's just a massive nitpick for me other than that but i'm surprised i think that's a bump you know how there was a at the end of the trailer there was like a massive like a monster and all that stuff versus the main character what did mm, yeah. the monster look like i think it was the character uh, Asian, yeah and the second movie of the mcu uh the incredible hulk i think that's abomination in there and that looks like that's actually him that's actually him i was like geeking out a little bit about that i'm still gonna watch it anyway yeah gotta watch it for asian pop nation yeah if it comes out this year yeah. there no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the media tickets yeah <laughs> fun. fun time Jeffy, did you want to tell us what people can do if they love Shang-Chi? If you're really looking forward to Shang-Chi, let us know on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, just those three. Uh, let us know. We want to know your thoughts. Hey, it's Asian Pop Nation. I'm Senya. You just heard three songs. The first one was Damage by Just B. After that was Oain's Start from the End. And the last one we played was Parvin's What You See Now. Something that I hope I got to see more often was $1,000 lying around, but but if you're wondering why that's relevant, well, you got to stick around for this discussion, hey? So recently, a TikToker has been hiding $1,000 in public locations for people to just pick up or find. The only problem is it's in Singapore, not here, which is unfortunate because... I want that thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah it, this sort of thing kind of reminds me of geocaching. And if you don't know what it is, it's like an activity where people use a GPS or like give specific clues for you to find a specific location. At that location, you can find like a little box, and then sometimes it contains little trinkets which you can take home and then replace with something else or like a little booklet where you can write your name on to say that you've been at this location. And it's like a little secret among this big community of people who love geocaching. And I just want to know your thoughts on geocaching, finding $1,000. Do you want that to happen? <laughs> Do you want someone to just like drop $1,000 on your lap? Like, Dude, that sounds hella sketch. <laughs> but it's just like $1,000. You take it. No repercussions, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no, that sounds pretty criminal. What if there's like mafia connected to that? You know, I'm not just going to pick up $1,000. Why? <laughs> I feel like that's a movie. Surely that's a movie. Someone picks up a thousand dollars and then they realize, oh no, that actually nah, I think it's more money. It's more risky if it's like a million dollars in a bag. <laughs> oh, all right. Now that's like crazy. We've done geocaching before, Celeste. When you found the container, is there anything good? Like, what was it that you found? Oh my gosh, it's been so long. I don't remember what I took from the little box, but I put a little trinket in. It was like a little Disney trinket and there was like yeah a note that you could just write your name on there but the location that we were at was very public it was at Docklands and I was with a friend and we we're trying to work up the courage to go grab it because people were watching and yet kind of have to do it in a sneaky way when no one's watching so they 
aren't aware that it's a geocaching location. So usually oh, yeah. you're meant to be sneaky. <laughs> Interesting. What happens if you don't be sneaky? Then it'll be discovered by everyone else in the public or like people who don't know what geocaching is, they might wreck little box that's there or something. Oh, right. And then other people, by the time they get to it, it's like maybe not there anymore. I see. Yeah. Wait, so are these boxes are static? Usually. The one that I found was magnetic, so it's like stuck to this little metal thing mm-hmm. in a weird location. <laughs> okay, I see. Yeah. Sometimes it's like in a tree. I haven't done one that's in a tree. It sounds cool. But back to the thousand dollars. If you found a thousand dollars and like just like lying around, what would you do with it? Probably return it to the police. <laughs> Like, if you just found it, you have no clue why it's there. What if you found $1,000 and there was a little note that goes, spend that as you wish, you found me. <laughs> Dude, that's how I'm more sketch. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not touching that. <laughs> like a little smiley face on there. It's like super innocent. Oh, that's even worse. When you find that and then you're told to spend however you want, I feel like it's the start of some kind of adventure, Matrix style, you know, like yeah, <laughs> you get sucked into a world that you don't want to be in. But I think what I would spend it on is a car. I'd like to buy a car. <laughs> is that too basic? No, I'll just like go on a holiday. I don't know. What, what's an interesting way to spend $1,000? Go to a fancy restaurant. And spend Ooh. all of it there. Yeah, just eat. <laughs> oh, like a nice friends. hotel is right, you know. Aaron, you got any ideas? Well, the only thing that comes to my mind is just, I just throw it away. <laughs> what? what? Is it like the nearest bin you just chuck it? Pretty much. I mean, I don't know who this belongs to. It could be anyone. It could be like the mob. It could be like some robbery or it could be like the police. So it's just like, I don't want it. Throw it away. Or maybe you're just. The collector will be winning if <laughs> you do that. Oh, yeah. I don't want it. They can have it for all I care. <laughs> Yeah, that's a tip. That's his tip. Aaron, when you said you throw it away, I thought it would be for like a whole enlightenment thing, you know? Like, you know, money is a worldly thing, you know, transcend beyond <laughs> earthly <laughs> desires. You mean like Robin Hood? No, not Robin Hood. I mean like a, like like a Catholic monk or something or a Buddha, you know? I mean, you could do a Robin Hood thing, just give it out to people who need it, I guess. Yeah, give it to homeless people. Aaron, yeah. don't throw it out. Just like scatter it around the city. Wait, but if you're going to give it to homeless people, you need to exchange it for smaller notes so you can, like, distribute it equally. They, but they don't come in hundreds. You'd have 10 100 notes. Oh, okay. Okay, I'll give huh. one per person. Yeah, why not? Do it. Be a hero. Aaron, you're much nicer than we would use it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, JP, if you're not going to use it, what are you going to do to dispose of it? What am I going to... I think I would make an art piece out of it. Like, I'd shred it and then put it in a frame. And then... Okay, no, no. Here's what happens, right? You shred it, $1,000, and then you put it in a frame, and people are like, oh, it's so artistic. And then people start buying the art piece, right? The price inflates. So then the art piece becomes like a million dollars or something. I feel like that's a lot of faith. I wouldn't you just invested in stocks? That's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. But I mean, just just to bring the point across, you know, just invest it and then give it to homeless people. That's how you that's the big <laughs> wow. Okay. You get more money to spend. Exactly. But so let's is your answer the buffet or like going Yeah, out just with like go out with friends, treat us all to like the most fanciest dinner. And but like also wear like really bad clothes. <laughs> <laughs> We don't actually belong there, but, you know, we had the money. Yeah. <laughs> For those listening at home, let us know, what would you do if you found $1,000? Do 
that happened to be hidden by some TikToker. Love to hear your thoughts on <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. <laughs> oh my God. We just played a triple threat here on Asia Pop Nation. The first song was Bubble Baby Gums, Awa Koi Meran Koriku. After that was Erong's Wei Fa Song. And the last song we played was Neon She's Osaka Child. We actually interviewed Neon She earlier this year. So if you want to check out some of our interviews with awesome artists in the Asian music scene, you can check them out on our podcast, wherever you stream your podcasts. Just look up Asian Pop Nation. And speaking of Osaka, like in Neon She's Osaka Child, we're going to be heading over there now to Universal Studios Japan to talk about a new ride in the theme of our favorite Demon Slayer. So let's hear a little bit more about what the team has to say. So uh, Universal Studios Japan, they're going to open up a Demon Slayer place. There's going to be a bunch of Demon Slayer themed food, merchandise. Apparently, visitors will be able to experience the fluid swordsmanship and even the breathing of the hero, Tanjiro Kamado, and his fellow Demon Slayers. It's going to be pretty cool. Aaron, you watch Demon Slayer, don't you? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, are you excited? I'm happy about it. I enjoy the movie a lot more than the TV show. All right. I mean, let's say you were an average Japanese citizen and you found out about this. Would you be hyped? I guess so. Well, what would you be hyped for? Swinging a sword, I guess? Yeah. How, how in the world are they actually going to do that? Maybe they build it from scratch, my guess, and then like we have to forge it ourselves? I, I feel like it'd be cool to do like a VR because they haven't really made any details on what they're going to do for the attraction. But Now like, that you say that, VR is a very high possibility because it's yeah. becoming more mm-hmm. popular if you go to theme parks and stuff like that. It's just like so much easier to make and do. Oh, really? Then yeah. building a roller coaster and all of these other. There was like an Attack on Titan one. It was really yes. cool. Where it was virtual reality roller coaster. But it's like you're going through the streets of like you go on this roller coaster and you go through the streets while the Colossal Titan and Armor Titan are attacking. So Oh, man, I thought it was going to be, like, chill. I thought it was, like, you know, when everyone's happy and things are running. <laughs> oh, no, why? Why would you, like, a oh, okay. <laughs> go on a ride when it's just, like, going through the town, you know? I love that. Good. So do you imagine they'll do the same thing with Demon Slayer? Yeah, like, demons are coming mm. and you, like, start moving your sword <laughs> and then you can kill all the demons. So it'll be sort of like those via arcade style. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Or maybe they could do something like Moomin Train. Like on a train and then... Yeah, be on a train while we fight the demons. Imagine um, like a roller coaster and you're in the train. Like you're inside the Mugen train and you're going at roller coaster speed. That's terrifying. That would be terrifying. I want to see it. But it'd be so cool to do it. Yeah, that's Demon Slayer. That's the first anime thing. (laughs) But I got another anime thing for you. Here comes part two. All right, part two of the anime discussion. The Kaguya-sama Twitter account and the KFC Twitter have been exchanging memes, apparently. So was this uh, the Spanish KFC, Xenia? Yeah, it was the Spanish Twitter account of all places. So basically, they've been trading memes with each other. What was the trigger for this? Who was the first to? I have no clue. But I know it was KFC who did it initially. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why. So like flirty little posts that they were sharing to each other or no? Kind of, but they're just like images. It didn't seem to have any caption or anything. The first one was of Colonel Sanders in a car and then Chica from the manga and anime series was sitting next to him. Yeah, she's like photoshopped into this old historical photo. Then I think after the Kaguya-sama Twitter account then posted a picture of like KFC mail next to 
Chica, like a picture of Chica. And then the last exchange was KFC blowing a kiss to <laughs> to the Kagiesa account. Yeah, it's not just KFC. It's, it's Colonel, Colonel Sanders. Sanders. Yeah, it's Colonel Colonel Sanders Sanders. himself in his like beautiful anime form, giving a kiss to the Kogi. You know, blowing a kiss, Mwah, that That's sort of thing. I think my favorite thing about Twitter is when people who run official Twitter accounts they just like let their inner geek creeper or weaver oh, yeah. out. Because they can, and there's no repercussions to it. Isn't that what happened with BTS meal as well? Or oh, it's just like BTS in general. Um, see, like whoever runs Billboard sometimes just like geeks out a bit, MCV and stuff, and you're just like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's just great. Yeah, no, there's a hilarity in seeing the accounts of like big official companies just going off the rails. Yeah, you know, like watching a tiger break out of its cage, you know. what Wendy's did with the rice. Yeah, Wendy's. Yeah, yeah, oh my god. That sort of thing. <laughs> so I think what we're seeing here is a is a more wholesome version. Yeah. You think they're hinting at a collab? <laughs> yeah, three months later they have some merch or something. <laughs> yeah, the, the Kaguya Sama meal. Probably. Oh my god. What would be in that? Maybe it's approaching Christmas and it's like promoting. <laughs> Yeah. KFC yeah, for Christmas. Like a hot and cold meal. I don't know. I don't think they do crushers anymore, but having something spicy and something cold because of how they never seem to align the main character. Oh, right. <laughs> to communicate. I don't know. Yeah. Kaguya or uh, what's his name? The president's name? Shirogane. So those two meals. Oh, that would be sick. If there are any officials listening to this, take notes. <laughs> As you said, it could lead to anywhere, to be honest. Yeah, basically. Who knows where this is going? Or maybe we're just reading into it too much. But anyway, if you have any thoughts about the uh, lovely relationship that's been formed between Kaguya (laughs) and KFC, or if you're excited about uh, the new Demon Slayer attraction, even though I'm sure you probably can't travel to Japan right now. I mean, that sucks. Mm. Uh, But anyway, if you are excited for any of those things, let us know on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You just heard three songs here on Asia Pop Nation on Sin. The first one was 2PM's Make It. After that was Kevin Reidy's Marco. And the last song we played was NCT Dream's Hello Future. Because we're saying hello to a future film that's currently in the works based on a very beloved manga and anime series. But if you're curious to know which one it is and whether Hollywood might wreck this one, well, you've got to find out here. Okay, so remember back in 2017 that Man Abyss was a massive hit? Due to this animation, compelling story, and especially Australian composer Kevin Pinkin, and especially with a sequel movie, Dawn of the Deep Soul. Well, Columbia Pictures has started to make a move on it. In order to make a feature film script from writer and director Kevin McCullen of the dark fantasy adventure slash manga, Main and Abyss. For those who don't know what Main and Abyss is, here's a short summary. Right, there's a massive hole in the middle of the world, or this little island anyway, called, well, I call it the Abyss. And it's an unexplored place of the world. Strange and wonderful creatures are residents in the depth, and it's full of relics at the bottom. But the thing is, the more you go down into the abyss, like, the harder the challenge for going upwards towards the surface. The story focuses, and especially this, related to the cave raiders, who has certain whistles that are able to go to the bottom of the floor, and bottom of the abyss, and certain layers of the floor, all seven floors. The story focuses on two characters, an orphan girl named Rico, who lives in the town of Vorth, and is the daughter of the legendary White Whistlers, and Reg, who is a cyborg. And is now both of them are heading towards the bottom of the abyss to search Rico's mother and the message of what that was left behind for her. Yeah, I got a question. Why is Climate Pictures doing this again? It's a real question. Yeah, why does Hollywood keep doing this to themselves, you know? <laughs> Just... 
It's disgusting. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Doing everything. That's how they be. Has I mean, there been any good Hollywood adaptations of that? No. Anime? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Alita. That was the only good one so far. Oh, Alita was cool. I've seen Alita, but that's that's a cool movie. That one. Yeah. I was just gonna say that I feel like Hollywood does better if they take a story that's either obscure and then adapt it, or no. <laughs> just <laughs> like turn up. Edge of Tomorrow, JP. I really like that one. You said yes. Edge of Tomorrow from a manga. Oh yeah, that mm-hmm. was, that's another exception. Yeah, that was a good one as well. Yeah, I was gonna mention that because Edge of Tomorrow, that's a movie with a uh, Tom Cruise in it. Lots of sci-fi mm-hmm. and action and cool aliens and stuff. That's actually an adaptation from a manga called All You Need Is Kill. Actually, not even then, the manga is an adaptation of a novel called All You Need Is Kill. And then I think the artist who did Death Note drew the manga All You Need Is Kill. <laughs> And then the Hollywood guys saw this and like, hey, let's make a cool movie and just call it Edge of Tomorrow, right? Good thing about Edge of Tomorrow is that it doesn't try to constrict itself so tightly to the original material. Like they just got the basic premise and then they went off and did their own thing. So I'm kind of hoping that that's what they do with this Made in Abyss movie. Yeah, same. Because it's just too, yeah, I think I mentioned this before, but it's it's confusing in how they're going to go about adapting it because it's such like an intricate story Mm -hmm. and i feel like the appeal is how the animation sort of conveyed elements of how beautiful and scary this world is so i'm not sure how they do it i'm sure they could do it with cgi it would feel i guess a bit different since the characters have been created and drawn in this so cute way and then you're putting them in through such horrible circumstances oh yeah Yeah. how are you how do you think they're gonna deal with the whole child violence thing I don't know, to be honest. They'll like turn them into teenagers to... and then they'll be like yeah. adult actors uh, as teenagers. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't work as well because it's the no, fact it that they're so young and going into such a dangerous place that makes that element of will they make it more terrifying. I was just going to say, maybe they're going to do like a CGI movie, maybe. Oh my God. Of kids? Like an animated film? Yeah, or... like, for example, like Pixar's or maybe just. <laughs> Nah, I feel like that's more horrifying to see. I'm sorry. Actually, no. You know what, Celeste? Since you said it's horrifying, then yeah, good. They should do that. (laughs) They're doing live action. (laughs) I feel they only work with kids. They have to get kid actors. They have to have parents that sign off and are like, "Yeah, I want my kid to like." I'm just gonna wonder how they're gonna do like like you know how the movie called Donna the Deep Soul and how they have Banju's character and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, how they do that scene. It's like the deeper you go, the worse it gets in trying to adapt it. It's like mm. particularly Donna the Deep Souls movie as well. Yeah. Like how they're gonna because I remember watching that movie, I was petrified. I was like, I was traumatized to be honest from that movie. Yeah, it was a really good movie, but I'm traumatized from it still. Hey, fun fact: we are getting a second season as well. Called the Sun City. Yeah. I'm so tempted to read the manga after watching the film because it's just like, oh no, we can't edit here. But then, <laughs> nah, I think I'll wait till till the series comes out because it's just it's there's so much more to add or like elements. Like the music is beautiful. I still listen to that on repeat. So yeah, I would I would definitely recommend the manga though as well because the art is whew, I might so wait good. until it's finished. I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think we are going to get it finished, to be honest, because I think we're still on chapter 58 of the manga, I think. It hasn't been updated yet, though. It's been like six or maybe seven months, really, I think. 
Oh, either it's a hiatus or maybe it's just a Japan only thing, right? I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm not sure. But, you know, I would recommend the manga, not only because the art is good, but because of the artist. What was his name? Akihito? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Akihito Tsukushi. Akihito Tsukushi. Yeah. He likes to do this thing where between chapters or just in general throughout the story, he'd put in like little tidbits of lore. Like he'd throw in like an item description. Yeah. It's like some Dark Souls stuff, like a video game. I liked it when Attack on Titan did that. Yeah, yeah. With its minute fun card as well. Yeah. Mm. Oh, and speaking of video games, um, Aaron, apparently they're making a game of this? Yeah, Made in Abyss, Binary Sub, Falling Into Darkness. Also comes out next year. Oh my god. Is that going to be a side story? I wonder if it's the entire series so far adapted into a game? It could be both. I'm not <laughs> sure. It could be a retelling of the first two seasons and the movies, or it could be like a like a, maybe a sequel to the series, or it could be a side story. It could be anything. Man, you, you both play it? I would play it for sure. Oh my god! Dude. Would you be interested, Celeste, in watching or playing or reading? Made it a bit. Nah. <laughs> oh, come on. What's stopping you? I don't know. I just maybe you saw the child trauma involved. I just don't feel the storyline. Uh, like, I see the appeal, but I'm also like, nah. <laughs> yeah, not your cup of tea, huh? I want something more human or more realistic, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah this is not realistic at all. <laughs> <laughs> there is no kids in this world that exists and this happens. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, realistic in the mm-hmm. way that people do really terrible things in it. But I mean, not realistic in that... Uh, they're dragons and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Celeste, you were going to say something? Oh, I was going to say that now that I think about it, it does remind me of the Spanish film called The Platform. And it's basically... Oh, dude, that movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, like, a bunch of people are in this, like, prism. And depending on what platform you are, you're, like, if you're at the, like, lower areas, you become more crazy and hungry because the people at the top have, like, all the food... And then as it goes down, that same food goes down until, like, at the bottom, they get nothing. And so some people are trying to say, oh, I should only eat what you need, take what you need, and move down. But people are, like, really selfish and stuff. But, yeah, and then, like, people go crazy as you go down, and that's what Made in Abyss kind of reminds me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I see that. It's it's basically that, but with fantasy and children. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm really it's, it's like if on. children were trying to go down each platform and try and survive all <laughs> yeah. and they can't go back up again. Yay. Kind of like that. Matt, you know, speaking of the video game, my I don't know if this is how they're going to do it, but my perfect vision would be like the hole. It's like automatically generated. So every time you go down, like whenever you die, it's always a new experience or something. <laughs> and then what would happen is that there would be an international leaderboard for who went the deepest <laughs> dude that, that would be, be so, so sick yeah like but oh i want to beat this still guy. be a story or is it just more like there's... no you're all trying to no, yeah it's just that bottom. like <laughs> just get to the bottom like oh that would be so cool i, can, I hope they do that i think i actually can see that to be honest i actually can i'd love to have okay we have the campaign the story <laughs> mode yeah yeah, okay. yeah yeah we have the story mode that everyone ignores just to play <laughs> reform oh yeah and multiplayer too you know imagine that imagine you get to play in one server like you know 64 people at once start go everyone goes at once and you can just kill other people (laughs) (laughs) yeah that would be sick aaron you played monster hunter right 
I played a little bit on the 3DS.、Mm-hmm. How about、um, that other big one, Monster Hunter? What was it called? Monster Hunter World?、Uh, that's the one on the PS4, I think.、Remember? Yeah, that one. Have you seen that one? Have you played it? I played a little bit of that one、mm-hmm. and I gave up. Oh, I see. Well, I, I just mentioned it because aesthetically, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I can see that as well. Yeah, dense forests, animals everywhere. You can climb on them and stab their faces out. That's a bit too much. Well, I mean, you got t a man. This is the abyss. Right. Yeah.、Uh, but anyway, yeah, Aaron. What can people do if they want to tell us more about their theories of Made in Abyss? Well, I can say this. If you have more theories than all that things you wish that was in the game or wish won't be in the game, or maybe you're excited for the TV show or not, please DM us. Or if not, just please comment us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter on Asia Pop Nation, all that stuff. And also, How excited are you for season two of Made of Best in the movies? Well, so excited. I lost the wedding just now, but oh well, <laughs> I don't care. Kevin Pekin's in it. I'm happy for that. On that, please comment and especially message us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all that stuff of how much excitement you have for the TV show and also the game itself. Please enjoy. Thank you for listening. Kevin Pekin rules. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Asia Pop Nation. Thanks for joining us. The first song we played in that row was Lazy by Wu Song featuring Reddy. After that was Hey Girl by Zam. And the last song was a song by I Don't Like Mondays called Baka. Now, as promised, here is a tanka from me summarizing all of the things that we talked about tonight. Now, if you don't know what tanka is, tanka is a form of Japanese song or verse with a 57577 syllable pattern. So, would love to hear you try summarize your week in a tanka. So, here goes <clears throat> Fruits Basket is gone. Jose film reviews are mixed. Shang-Chi drops trailer. Colonel Sanders finds new love. Let our maid an abyss be. Now, if you missed any of our discussions tonight that relate to any of these lines, you can find our discussions on the Asian Pop Nation podcast, wherever you stream your podcasts. And you can also let us know what you thought about the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. There, you can also let us know if you have any requests you'd like us to play, or also if you'd like to join our show. Thanks for listening tonight. Next week, we've got some more awesome discussions. So stay tuned for that. On Tuesdays at 8 p.m. On behalf of the Asian Pop Nation team, thank you so much for listening. I'm Senya, signing off.